0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Titled Frequency, where we've been learning how to hear God speak to us, or in the words of Jesus, learning to have ears to hear. It's a phrase that he used often to underscore a very important truth about hearing the voice of God, that being that God doesn't have a speaking problem, we have a hearing problem. Those of you that know Sue and me know that uh, she often tells me that I hear about half of what she says. Just the other day she said... uh, she said, you weren't even listening to what I said, were you? I looked at her and said, that's a strange way to start a conversation. You're slow, but you're worth it. huh? If this happens to be your first time with us. You're kind of coming in at the end of the movie, so to speak. Basically, we spent the last three weeks talking about things that we can do to help us hear when God speaks to us. One of the passages that we've been looking at, is the parable of the sheep and their shepherd found in John chapter 10. So I want to begin by looking at that passage. John 10 verses 3 to 5, Jesus speaking here. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Now watch this next statement because here we see the personal nature of God speaking to us. He doesn't just speak to us corporately uh, as his church or as a flock. I mean, he does that too. But there are times when he will give us a personal call, a personal invitation. It says he calls his own sheep by name. And then in week two, we talked about how God spoke to a young man named Samuel. And how Samuel kind of struggled with figuring out, you know, finally figured out that that was God talking to him. The point being, sometimes when God speaks to us, it's a very personal thing. He calls us by name, Samuel, Samuel. Remember that? He said, Samuel, Samuel it says and he speaks he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out notice one purpose of his speaking is to lead or guide us verse 4 john 10 when he has brought out, when he has brought out all his own he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice not only will sheep follow their shepherd they won't follow any other shepherd verse 5 john 10 but they will never follow a Stranger, interesting word there. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize, and here's that word again, a stranger's voice. Twice, twice in this verse, we're told that sheep will never follow or listen to a stranger's voice. And the stranger that Jesus is talking about here, there's actually three of them, because again, the point he's talking about is listening to hear God's voice. So basically, when it comes to hearing God's voice, we've got three strangers, three competing voices We have the devil's voice, we have other people's voice, and we have our own voice. So you basically have four options when it comes to hearing God. God's voice, the devil's voice, other people's voices, or our own voice, right? It's a twice in this verse, he's talking about that. Since Jesus tells us that we need to learn to recognize his voice, I thought that a good way to conclude this series would be by looking at some guidelines, some filters, if you were, that can help us sort through all of these competing voices that can hinder and confuse us when we're trying to figure out if we're hearing God's voice or our own voice or someone else's voice or the devil's voice. After church last week, Sue and I were uh, talking about my message um, She's my best and sometimes my worst critic, but it's, it's always good stuff when she, when she does talk with me about this. But we were talking about my message last week where I talked about a couple of times where God miraculously spoke to me and uh, you know, she said, you know, I wonder if, I hope people didn't get the impression that, you know, like, because those are kind of the only two stories that I referenced that, you know, that that happens to me a lot. And it doesn't, and I, and I hope I made that clear because uh, that doesn't happen to me a lot, Th- those miraculous times when God speaks to me like that. Uh, If anything, my wrestling with hearing God's voice is probably very similar uh, to you guys and how you wrestle with that as well. So I wanted to share uh, a couple of stories this week that kind of might indicate, uh, uh, this is more kind of the pattern of how I wrestle with this like many of you. Some of you know this, but Sue and I served as youth pastors here at this church from 1980 to 1981. We moved here in June of 1980, fresh out of Bible school, uh, Christ for the Nations, a little two-year Bible school program. Um, And so we were here for that year. The following spring, um, Sue was talking to her folks one day, and uh, they, they told her about a church in Duncan, Oklahoma, or down by Duncan, Oklahoma, which is where they lived, in fact, still live today. Um, but they told us about a church down there that was looking for a youth pastor and they really wanted us to apply, you know? Uh, and one reason they wanted us to apply is because, um, our, our oldest child our daughter, our only daughter, um, had, had just been born. And of course, uh, Sue's folks were, and this was their first grandchild at that time. So they were really wanting us to move down and you better pray about this and see if God doesn't want you down here, you know, so they could be with that new granddaughter. But anyway, so, uh, you know, we, we we talked about it. We prayed about it, and uh, after praying about it and talking about it, I made a phone call down there to the church. Uh, talked with the pastor, and they 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 had they brought us down, and we interviewed for the, interviewed for the job. And before we left, they actually offered us the job. Uh, but, uh, but before I took the job, I said, "Look, I said I'm pretty sure we'll come, but I said I want to talk with my pastor uh, back up in, in Wellsville." So we got back from Oklahoma, and uh, I talked with my pastor. <laughs> And I was a little taken back by his response because you know I thought he would be excited for us, but that wasn't the case. He he didn't come out and say that he didn't think it was God's will for us to move, but a couple of things he said he just kind of indicated. He said, you know, I just have a hard time seeing God in this. I mean, you you haven't been here very, and and part of his concern was valid because we we'd only been here a year. He said, I just see God having so much more for you here, and so and and so then then I was really confused. What do you do when you're pastor? Says, I don't think you're hearing from God, right? You know, I, you know, we'll come back to this. We'll circle back around to this. But, you know, he's human too, you know. But anyway, uh, so, so that was confusing to me. That was a tough one. But as, as we're going to see this morning, um, that's why we have these four filters that we can use. So anyway, Sue and I talked about it, We prayed about it some more. And then uh, as we continued to pray, believe that it was God's will uh, for us to move down there. And so we did, and even though the pastor was very kind, of, I mean, he didn't get mad or anything like that, but still, it kind of threw me for a loop, because I was still young in the Lord at that time, and I'm thinking, gosh, I hope we're hearing from God here. You know, that's a pretty big decision, you know? But that was a that was a tough one. I ain't gonna lie. That was a really tough one. So question, did we hear God's voice, or did he miss God's voice? Well, I believe that he missed God's voice, and some of you might be thinking, you know, things like that should never happen in the church. People shouldn't be saying they heard from God if they haven't really heard from God. Actually, and you're not going to want to hear this, but those kinds of things have to happen. Because any time the divine meets the, 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 the worldly, the, the, the flesh, there's going to be the potential for missing it. But that doesn't mean that you just totally do away with it. The Apostle Paul, when he corrected the Corinthians, you know, because they were totally just blowing the spiritual gifts, totally abusing the spiritual gifts. He had every right to write them and say, you know what? You guys can't even handle it. So just shut them down. Don't even try. But he didn't. He actually, if you read Corinthians, he starts out, he commends them for what they were doing right. But then he said, you know, but you got some issues here. And so then he corrected them in how to properly function in the spiritual gifts. So we need to accept the fact that sometimes we might miss hearing God's voice or mistake God's voice for a different voice, right? Which is exactly what happened to me the next time that we were facing a moving decision. About two years after we took the job in Oklahoma, went through a uh, kind of a tough stretch of uh, uh, some difficult things, bumped up into some difficult challenges. We we, we had lost a full-term stillborn child, uh, and, and that was very traumatic for us, that things at the church weren't quite the same anymore. It seemed like we were just kind of walking in, in in different directions. And what was the Old Testament say, how can two walk together unless they share the same vision? And it became apparent that we weren't sharing the same vision as the leadership at the church at that time. And so it just kind of, basically, ministry was no more, no. it wasn't fun anymore. It felt like the, the life was being sucked out of us. So no question, we kind of felt like, you know, God was kind of stirring us, getting ready to move us. But not in the direction that I felt like he was uh, wanting to lead us. In the summer of 1984, we took a vacation to Minnesota to see some friends we had met while we were attending Bible school, had a blast, went camping, went fishing, just had such a refreshing time. And so when we got back home, man, my focus on praying was praying to move to Minnesota. That's the answer, right? That's the end, because that's you know that's what that's what people in ministry do when things you know aren't going well. They look for an exit strategy, and so, you know, because of where I was at spiritually, you know, because of the things that we had bumped into, just emotionally, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I mistook our refreshing vacation in Minnesota for being God's will that we were supposed to move to Minnesota. All right, so. Got back from that vacation, started praying about it. And when I I say pray, my prayer was consumed with this. When I prayed, my prayers weren't so much, God, what's your will? But God, show us where we're supposed to move in Minnesota, right? (laughs) I know it's Minnesota. Just, you know, just show us where it's supposed to be, right? So uh, be careful when you get locked into something, seriously, because you don't see the, when you really get locked into something, you don't see the large picture. Yeah. You you ever, you ever thought about buying like a different vehicle and, you get, and all of a sudden, you see that vehicle everywhere, everywhere you're driving. You see that, you know, that, that's kind of where I was at at that point. But anyway, started making some phone calls, sent some resumes, and a church did contact us. Now, uh, an important part of the story here is unlike the time that we moved from here to Oklahoma, this time Sue wasn't as convinced that we were to leave Oklahoma and move to Minnesota. And I know that her parents weren't real thrilled Uh, at the idea of me dragging their only grandchild 900 miles away up to the northern tundra in Minnesota. But looking back now, I realize how I had allowed our our difficult and increasingly frustrating circumstances to pollute, distract my heart, and my ability to hear from God. But I was, again, I was so locked into what I wanted, I was just blowing right through all the warning signals. So, a church looking for a youth pastor contacted us. We ended up moving up to Ham Lake, Minnesota, just north of Minneapolis. In fact, we lived right across the street from a lake. I'm telling you, man, if God isn't in that, I don't know who is, right? God even got us a, a lake house, just right across the street from a lake. I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning catching all these northern pike and walleye, and man, things were really good, right? That was February of 1984, I kid you not, within the first few weeks of living there, I came to the realization that I had missed God, that we weren't supposed to be in Minnesota at all. I was supposed to go back to school, which ended up being in Waxahachie, Texas, but how do I, how do I go and tell my wife, uh, honey, my bad, sorry. I mean, that's a hard one to recover from, isn't it? When you prayed for months, prayed for months, and dragged your wife and daughter 900 miles away up to Minnesota. Now, the ironic thing is, as, as much as she was kind of reluctant or, you know, uncertain, after we got up there, she was great. Her and Chelsea were great. They, had, they adapted, adjusted. I was the miserable one after we moved up there because I realized I, I, I had missed God. I had missed God. So... We ended up eventually moving back to Texas where I did enroll for spring semester at Southwestern. So basically what should have been a 177-mile, three-hour move because I didn't have ears to hear and didn't use any filters ended up being a 1,700-mile, 11-month move. But had I used some basic guidelines, guidelines that we're going to look at this morning, I would have realized that it wasn't God's voice I was hearing, but it was my own voice. But here's what I want you to know. Even though I missed God on that, because of relationships that we had in the church we were working at and people we met, people were wonderful, God did bring some healing to us. So, so God was able to redeem that time. And I wanna, when talking about, hey, at times you need to miss God to figure out his will, I don't want you to be scared because God is able, if your heart's right, God will protect you. Because that's a frightening thought, <laughs> if you think about it. But I, I firmly believe if your heart's right, God will protect you. And he redeemed the time. It wasn't a total loss. God did bring healing to us during the, the 11 months that we were up here until I finally got back on track. So the moral of the story is don't miss God or you're gonna end up in Minnesota in the wintertime. <laughs> no, the point being don't, don't get too nervous about missing God. It's part of the learning process. It happens to the best of them. Think about this. Peter, who, who the Catholic Church believes is the Pope, the first Pope, right? Peter actually whiffed on the will of God one time. One day, Jesus was talking to his guys, and he asked him a question. He said, hey, what's the word out on the street about me? What, what, who are people saying that, that I am? And they say, the disciples say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Let's look at it in Matthew 16, verses 15 to 17. He, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter. Watch this. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who, in other words, Jesus said, hey, you heard from God. You heard from God because you couldn't have heard that any other way. So basically, Jesus commends Peter for hearing the voice of God. Right? All right let's read on. Verse twenty-one, Matthew sixteen, verse twenty-one. From that time, Jesus began to show us. The, this was this could minutes later, minutes later. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Verse 22, and Peter, same Peter, who had just heard the voice of God a couple minutes before, Peter pulled Jesus aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Look, in, in, the matter of, in a matter of minutes, Jesus goes from commending Peter for being able to hear God's voice to rebuking him for missing, I mean, missing it big time, right? Says, you are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The point being, hey, if Peter can miss it, I think any of us. Any of us can miss it. There's no shame in missing it at times. So what do we do? What do we do? We do what John tells us to do in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Note, note a couple of phrases here. Every spirit, and then spirits, plural, right? So the Holy Spirit, in other words, the Holy Spirit isn't the only voice speaking to us. Sometimes there are other spirits voices speaking to us that's why he tells us to test the spirits and you know i've been doing this long enough to hear my fair share of bizarre things that have been done in the name of god told me all right and maybe you have too what we need is a filter a litmus test to determine when we're hearing god's voice or someone else's voice or the devil's voice or our own Voice. So four filters you can use to determine the whisper, the impression, the prompting you're feeling, or sensing if God's speaking to you or if it's some other voice. Filter number one, probably the most important one, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? Because God's voice will never contradict God's written word. God's not going to say something in the Bible and then whisper something different in your ear. you understand that? They will always line up. One day, some religious leaders came to Jesus with the intention of tricking him into saying something or doing something that they could accuse him and and arrest him for. And the the question that they asked him was about divorce in Matthew 19 verse 3. And Pharisees came to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? But Jesus doesn't answer their question because he knew what they were up to, that they were just trying to trick him into saying something that they could use against him. So Jesus doesn't fall for the trap. He circles them back to the scriptures, basically saying, how come you're asking me my opinion? Didn't my, my opinion didn't. How come you're asking? This is already, the answer to that question has already been written, verse four, Matthew 19. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he continues referencing, you know, what the law said regarding marriage and divorce. The point being, direct, Jesus directed their attention back to the scriptures. Circled them back to the scriptures. Listen to this statement by Jesus in Luke 21. Luke 21 verse 33. And though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my words remain forever true. And that's true. His words remain forever true. The problem is sometimes people will take those words out of context in order to make them say what they want them to say, which, which is easier to do. This is, this is a scary statement, but it's true. Taking the Bible out of context is easier to do than you might think. It really is, especially when you get locked into something and you're really wanting something real bad. In fact, the devil, the devil tried to get Jesus to do this. He used the Bible... The word of God to tempt Jesus, which is hilarious when you think about it. The devil using the word to try and tempt the living word. I'm sorry, I just thought that was kind of funny, you know, that he, you know, tried to do that, right? But... Jesus, because the, the devil took that Old Testament verse out of context and Jesus circled him back around. He said, no, no, no. It, it, not only does it not say that, it says this, and it says this, and it says this. Remember that? Three different times he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. So Jesus confronted that lie of the devil with the written word, the true written word. So does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the word of God? Second litmus test, second filter. Will it make me more like Jesus? Will it make me more like Jesus? This decision, this thing that I, I feel like God might be saying to me or telling me to do, will it make me more like Jesus? Because once we come to Jesus, once we surrender our life to the Lord, our life's pursuit at that point, and God's will for us, is to become as much like Jesus as possible. That's what he's trying to do in us. The more we, And the more we get to know God, the more like him we'll become. And the apostle Paul even instructs us to emulate, to be like Jesus, Philippians 2, 5. In your lives, you must think, and act like Christ Jesus? So the next time you're trying to determine if you're hearing from God or not, ask yourself this question. Will this make me more like Jesus? Will this make me more like? If I say this, will it make me more like Jesus? If I move there, will it make me more like Jesus? If I marry him, if I marry her, will it make me more like Jesus? If I take that job, will it make me more like Jesus? Right? So another filter to use when trying to determine if you're hearing from God is does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? Find someone you would consider to be mature in the Lord, someone you respect who has a history of walking in God's favor, God's wisdom. Ask them there to bounce it off of them. Say, hey, I, I, I thought God said this, or you know, I've got this opportunity. You know, what, what what do you think about it? Now, sometimes this person can be a pastor, not always, but again, like I shared earlier, you know, pastors are human too. Right, even even, even the, a good friend that you, you that you think you know that you respect, you know, and as being able to hear from God, they're human too. The point being, it's it's not foolproof, but it can help you kind of dial that in as you're trying to figure that out. Right, so you need to find someone who you respect, someone who's spiritually mature that that you can that you can kind of bounce it off of them. Right, so, and also someone who's on enough, someone who's honest enough, who will be honest enough with you to tell you. Honey, that ain't God you're hearing. Because they need to be able to speak into your life. All right. All right. So, yeah, you know, humans, they'll have the capacity to miss it. But my experience is if you find the right person, those are the exceptions. Because most people, you know, they're not going to steer you wrong. Do they have the capacity to miss it? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean you should totally not, not consult them. So does, con- does godly counsel agree? Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs nineteen twenty. listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Please note the word discipline. That, that's a huge word. In other words, you're not always gonna agree with the godly advice you get. That's what that's referring to. You're not always going to agree with the godly advice that you get. That's the discipline part of growing and maturing in your faith. Like the guy who was driving to work one morning And prayed, Lord, if it's your will for me to stop at Krispy Kreme, have the hot donuts light be on when I drive by. So he drove by and it wasn't on. But on his third lap around the parking lot, it was on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's not not a wise way to determine hearing God's voice, but anyway. And for you married folks, if you're both believers, then I would under this consult godly counsel, I would say uh, ask your spouse their opinion. Because you're one. You two are one. All right? And, and I have found out as a husband, I have found out that, uh, you know, women have this extra antenna <laughs> up there that, that picks up on things that, that us guys don't always pick up on. Seriously, I'm, I'm being serious. They they have a different perspective. I call it an antenna, but you know, God can speak to them as well as He can speak to you, guys. All right. So if you're married, definitely include your spouse in, in that conversation because they have a vested interest in that as well. Is it foolproof? No. No, because they're human as well, right? but that's certainly one of the dashboard lights that we need to keep an eye on, all right? So some filters to try and navigate hearing God speak. Does it align with the Bible? Will it make me more like Jesus? Does godly counsel agree, including your spouse if you're married? And the fourth filter is, do I have a peace about it? Do I have a peace about it? One of the things that makes Christianity so unique from all other religions is we don't just worship God, God, God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. God lives inside of us. And, and and the more that we welcome him and, and follow his lead, the better our lives will be. Because as we've said before, following Jesus won't just make your life better, it will make you better at life. You've all experienced those times where on the inside you kind of feel this tension, this unsettling feeling. That's what happens when your spirit kind of clashes with, with God's spirit. Sort of like those, those cartoons you know, used to see where, uh, on Tom and Jerry where you know, the, the little devil with the pitchfork standing on one shoulder and the angel's on the other and they're both trying to you know, you know, tell him something and they're conflicted about what to do. That's kind of the cartoon version of the biblical truth that you have to have the Holy Spirit residing within you. And one way the Holy Spirit speaks to us and guides us and directs us is through peace, through peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Now, excuse me, one problem that you might bump into, sometimes these filters are hard to apply to your situation. That's why there's four of them. That's why there's four of them. I believe at least one of them will always apply, and usually probably more than one, at least two or three, and sometimes all four of them. I had just started the second year of my master's program at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, this church that we had been at years before, about seven, eight years before, the pastor had resigned, so they contacted us because of our ties to the church from before and asked if we would be interested in, in uh, uh, sending their resume to, to come back and be the pastors this time. And my initial, my initial reaction to that was no, because that's why I was in seminary. I, I didn't want to be a preacher. Sue didn't want to marry a preacher. Uh, that's why I went back to seminary because I, I liked reading the word. I liked studying the word. So I, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a Bible teacher. I never wanted to be a preacher. Um, but, um, so my initial re- reaction was no, thanks. You know, we're, we're honored that you would ask, but, but no thanks. But, but I, I wasn't real comfortable with that, you know, saying that, you know, and, and so I, I talked to Sue about it, you know, and I think she was kind of indifferent at the time. I mean, part of it was kind of, exciting to think of. But again, you know, I'd invested all this time and money to to get this graduate degree, this seminary degree. So anyway, uh, we just we just continued to, to pray about it. So I got to think, you know, if I, if I were to try to use these filters, all right, does it line up with the Bible? That's kind of a hard one to apply. I mean, it's a ministry position. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, really, does it line up with the Bible? It, it's not the ministry position I had envisioned, but I suppose that it could line up with the Bible, anyway. So I kind of, no, that's that's kind of a wash. Second one, will it make me more like Jesus? Well, yeah, but teaching at a Bible school would make me more like Jesus. So again, he kind of got to throw that one. I don't know how much that's going to be beneficial. Does godly counsel agree? Well, again, you know, you know, Sue, I think at that time we were still kind of open to it. If God wanted us, you know, but it's it's not like you know she heard it. Yeah, definitely, we need to do that. But one morning after class, I happened to mention this opportunity to one of my professors. At one point, he asked me, he asked me this question. He said, Curtis, all things considered, if you could teach while pastoring, would you take the position in Wellsville? I said, in a heartbeat. He said, I think you just got your answer. So, talked with Sue again, called up here, talked to board president who was representing the board at that time, sent a resume. In July, they invited us to come up and interview and preach. I preached a message from Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, where Apostle Paul talks about the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, basically saying, you know, I felt like God had called me to a teaching ministry, right? I preached for an hour and 20 minutes. Because remember, I'm in seminary. I have all this knowledge. I mean, I'm gonna go out and save the world before midnight. I had all this knowledge that I'm just waiting to unleash on some poor unsuspecting souls. (laughs) Preach for an hour and 20 minutes and they still voted us in. (laughs) Once we made the decision, and here's my point, once we made the decision to go ahead and, and follow through with this, that's when the peace came. It didn't come before. Dear ones, if you're waiting for peace to come before you make the decision, rots a ruck because my experience is when you're facing a huge decision no you're, you're having anything but peace you've got that angst that that unknown it's it's hard i mean the peace comes after you just commit it to god and say okay this is what we're going to do that's when the peace comes and now for 34 and a half years i've been doing what i believe called me to do which is teach i'm just doing it in a pastoral setting Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The first part of that verse is the hard part, that not being anxious. Again, because every huge decision, it's gonna make you somewhat anxious. So Paul's encouraging us to just slow down. Don't get caught up in the emotions of the situation. Simply bring them to God, and then be thankful for what you have and the outcome, whatever it might be. And when we do this, watch what happens. When we do this, the promise of God's word is verse 7 of Philippians 4. And the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, and this could be translated human reasoning. In other words, the peace of God transcends all your pros and cons because anytime we're facing a big decision, you know, we'll get out the, the white sheet, pros and cons. No, the peace, And that's fine to do that, but the peace of God surpasses all of that. Surpasses all of that. And it says it will guard your heart. That's a military term, that word guard. It it speaks of how a garrison would provide protection for a city. It says the peace of God God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we conclude this series, I want to give you three things, three important steps that you can do to help you as you continue to grow in your understanding of hearing God's still small voice or God's whisper and follow his leading. Number one, tune in to God every day. Tune in to God every day. But remember, your daily quiet time isn't just so you can check another box off. No, your daily connection with God is to help you tune out the distracting voices of the world and tune in to God's voice. That's what that's all about. The goal of reading your Bible each day isn't just to read your Bible. The goal of reading your Bible each day is so you can learn to tune in to the person, the character, and the nature of who God is and what he wants to say to you. John 10, verse four. When he, Jesus, the good shepherd, gets them All out, he leads them and they follow him because they are familiar with his voice. You see that? The sheep are familiar with his voice. How do you become familiar with God's voice? The same way you become familiar with anyone's voice, right? If my wife were to call someone this afternoon, unless she talks, I don't think she talks to a whole lot of people. If my wife were to call one of you this afternoon and said, hi, she wouldn't do that. But if she said, hi, you'd be like, who's this? right. But if she called me and said, hi, I'd say, hey, gorgeous, what are you wearing? <laughs> How do you become familiar with it? The same way you become familiar with any person's voice, by, by just familiarity, right? Tune out things that oppose God. First of all, tune in to God every day. Second, tune out things that oppose God. See, this is something you have to be intentional about. Actively tuning out, shutting down any voice or anything that opposes God's word and God's plan for your life. John 10, verse five. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. So everyone say, tune in. Tune in. Tune out. Tune out. And the third step is, take steps toward what God has spoken. Why would God continue to speak to you if you're not gonna listen? It's a fair question. Why would God continue to speak to you if you're not gonna listen? So take steps towards what God has spoken to you. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way. James 1, and 23. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. The Old English says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So tune in to God's frequency. Tune out the static and voices of those who oppose God's will. And when he does speak to you, do what he tells you to do. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. You know, some of you might be facing a huge decision and you've got some advice or counseling that you're not sure is God or not. Lord, I pray that you would show those, those folks right now what your will is regarding that decision some of you, your lives maybe have been marked by inner turmoil and conflict for so long you can't remember the last time that you experienced the real peace of God for those folks Lord I pray that you would fill fill them fill their heart with your peace that supernatural peace that that the world doesn't understand and only you can offer if that's you I, I just right now I just whisper to God say Lord I receive in fact put your hands up, say Lord I just receive your peace right now I need that peace I'm asking for it, so so give it to me, Lord. And I pray that that peace would guard your heart like a garrison guards a city. Some of you need to take your next step. Some of you need to join a growth group this spring. Some of you need to take the next class. Start using the gifts and talents that God's blessed you with to serve here each week. You have, listen, you have no idea how much more rewarding and fulfilling your life will be until you start living your life for something greater than yourself. So come on, take that next step. Take that next step. And some of you, your next step is surrendering your life to Jesus, which is, that's what salvation is. Coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, it'd be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can surrender your life to him. I'll help you out. And just to lead you in a prayer, just just pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and paying for what I did, paying for my sins. And and right now, I'm asking you to, to forgive me, forgive me of my sins, and help me as I surrender my heart and my life to you. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead for me. Be my Savior and my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live my life for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.